Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Opportunity Knocks, the podcast for those hustlers, entrepreneurs, those wannabe entrepreneurs, people in the business world who aspire to do bigger and better and greater things. We are here to tell the stories of success, the, the stories of failure, the challenges we've got. And as always, I am finding more and more great connections through the wonderful world of social media. Um, Today's guest was introduced to me by what I think is a mutual friend in Jessica Dennehy. Jessica, yep. Yes, Jessica came and did the podcast with us a couple weeks ago when she talked about launching her new business, and we are so excited to be part of helping her kick that off. So today's guest is kind of a local legend, and he may not want to admit it, but he is the one and only Murph's Famous. P Stephen Murphy, who created <laughs> Murph's Bloody Mary Mix. Welcome to the show, my friend. Dean, so... So glad to be here. Thanks a lot for that kind of introduction, yeah. and I'm um, looking forward to having some fun today. Yeah, this is going to be a good time. We don't have any vodka with us today, so we're not going to be chugging Bloody Mary mix right out of the bottle, but I got news for you. I got a nice little setup behind me here. We're going to knock a few back this weekend, that's for sure. Murph, talk to me about how, how let, let's just dive right into it. How did Murph's Bloody Mary come to fruition? Give me some insight as to what triggered in your mind to say, I got to go do this. It, okay, really starts back when I was a kid in the 70s. My father was a big mixologist, sort of, when before there were mixologists, right. let's say. He was a kitchen mixologist. And I'm a kid in the 70s, youngest of seven. Okay. Family grew up in East Rockaway, New York. Okay. Uh, Long Island. It's, uh, in, it's near the five towns, right. kind of. And uh, what he would do would be get excited about a lot of different drinks, one being the Bloody Mary. And I would just sit there and watch him as he would add his ingredients and he'd get very excited about the Worcestershire and the lemon and the horseradish and all that kind of stuff. And I would just sort of watch and, you know, observe. Said, wow, dad's, yeah, observe. Dad's pretty, pretty pumped on this drink. So it kind of stuck as a family recipe. And then as time went on, obviously I got old enough to drink and I just started sharing that recipe with my family. And old enough to drink, meaning like 14, 15, because you could, or 18 to 21 because you were allowed to. <laughs> Might have been 17 and a half, but, but back then it was 18. Right. Yeah. So uh, I started to make the Bloody Marys for my friends and, you know, through, and it was a typical next day drink, hangover drink. Yep. And then, you know, I just sort of, um, more, that morphed into um, becoming the guy at tailgates. You know, we'd go to either Jet or Giant Game and everyone would get their assignment. There's always that guy who runs the tailgate. Right. Point, uh, Wismer, Murph, uh, the Bloody Mary, that's what you like to do, right? And he would, he would, I would get that assignment. And I kind of liked that assignment because the night before I would be there mixing and, you know, this and tasting. And, right. and I, and I truly was passionate about that the next day, uh, which would be a Sunday because football games are on Sunday that everyone would enjoy it. And usually the first drink that people would that's have. That's how you open up your tailgate. That's how you open right. your tailgate. So, uh, so my, <laughs> I'm out of the gate early. So, uh, I'd always get a lot of compliments. Then it morphed into, I, I got married, and I did what every Long Island guy does. I get married, started having kids, and joined a beach club. So I joined this beach club, and then I became the Bloody Mary guy on my court for the next morning, because guys used to really whoop it up the night before, like okay. on a Saturday night. And I would come in with a pitcher and kind of each cabana, pour, and make, you know, the Bloody Marys. I kept, and it was consistent through the years that I kept getting compliments on the quality of the, of the Bloody Mary. And I, I was admittedly a little... Happy to hear that, but I never thought I had any better recipe than the next guy. Okay. Okay. So there's definitely a humility in you. There was a little humility. What happened next is a guy who was um, on my court who now owns a very, very popular supermarket today called Uncle Giuseppe's. Okay. 
this guy Tommy B kept telling me to bottle it. You should bottle it. You should, this, this is a dynamite recipe. You should bottle it. Which made me, uh, you know, like anybody else, hey, Grandma, you should bottle that sauce. Yep. And, ah, just enjoy it. You know, that was kind of me. But I guess because of my entrepreneurism, I started walking into supermarkets, Dean, and looking at the leading, the leading brands. And it, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And what I saw in the leading brands in the supermarket was one plastic bottle. Everything was in a plastic bottle. And I said, wow, what if I was, you know, what if I was to make Murphs and it would be in a glass bottle? Then I saw how it looked in the bottle. It was thin. It was pinkish. It was Jewish. It, it didn't taste very good. So now I started stacking these weaknesses in my brain saying, wow, okay, Murph, what if, you know, a, a, what if it was a glass bottle? It looked good in the bottle. It actually tasted good. And what if, and everyone looks at the ingredient statement, and what if mine was all natural? Because every one of these ones in the plastic bottle that didn't taste very good, that tastes like crap, also had a bunch of preservatives. Preservatives, yeah. yeah. So now I'm like, wow, now I got like four, you know, pluses that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Then I said, you know, wow, this Bloody Mary mixed categories, boring, it's, it's mundane. There's, it's kind of like, you know, a redheaded stepchild. How, not to cut you up, yeah. but how, you, you talk about that category. How many people were in that category at the time that, that you started noticing these things? Uh, uh, there's only three leaders in the category, and there's still the same three leaders today. And there's gotcha. like a thousand of me. Okay. Okay. okay good. <laughs> yeah. So, but if I was to say to you, Dean, and, and, and we didn't rehearse this, if I was to say, hey, Dean, do you know the leading brand of Bloody Mary mix out there? All right. I'm not saying this because you're sitting next to me. I, w I would tend to think you because I've been consuming your product for almost as long as you've been making it, I think. Thank you. Uh, but the, I'm not, but, I, yeah. but I could, I could think of one, one or two others. What's it? Not, not Mr. T's. Uh, um, yeah. See, I, I can't even think of the names. That's a, that, Mr. That, Boston. It's Mr. T's was the leader. Now it's Zing Zang. Zing Zang. That's the other yeah, one. I yeah. yeah. But if I said, what's the leading soda? You did Coke or Pepsi. Right. You know, what's the leading uh, fast food? McDonald's burger. You know, right. And I said, wow, there's nothing rolling off the consumer's tongue here. Then I just, we just did the exercise. Yeah. You're like, I don't even know. Yeah. You had a struggle with getting Mr. T's out of here. Right. When you, when you put it in front of my face, now I can see it. But until you got there, you had to pull it out, pull it out of me. Correct. So that's when I said, wow. So all these things I stacked in my brain, the weaknesses. And I said, there's no brand that's exciting. That brings connection to the consumer. Mm -hmm. That that's fun, you know. It's it's boring. So right. I said, what if I was to call it Murphs and sort of lend my personality? And that was the that was the aha moment. Yeah. That was the light bulb. I love it because I said, I said, look, I want to have fun with this. You know, we'll probably get this a little later. But my day job is I, I handle money. I manage money for a living, and that's what I do. And that's you know that that is what it is. But uh, you know, I I didn't want to look for another grind. I wanted something I can really um, have fun with yep. and and have fun with the consumer. And have that connection to the consumer. We, we talked briefly before we got on the air and we talked about storytelling and all the other things. And, you know, one of the things that connected, and this is literally the first time we're meeting face to face. And I think we spoke for the first time ever last week. Correct. It, it, like communicated in any way. Correct. Uh, thanks. Thanks to the introduction. God bless the internet and social media. It's made more friends for me than I, than I, <laughs> I could ever imagine. Um, but, you know, that telling that story of who you are and like listening to the story and I, I'm looking forward to getting this produced and out there, but I also want the video version to come out because I'm watching you tell the story and the passion that you have just in talking about, you know, being at home with dad and then going out and I could picture you walking along the beach and, you know, pouring shots and say, here, fill your own, fill your own other libation in there with it. And it's like, you can visualize that story. 
And I think you guys have done a great job. We'll, we'll jump into it. But I think you've done a great job of branding it and branding you not as a caricature, but uh, but as a as, as the character and the person, the, the the face behind the brand. I mean, listen, it's literally your name. Why not put your face yeah. on it? Yeah, the, the ambassador. Yeah, yeah. yeah, perfect word. I appreciate that. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, uh, and I wanted that fun with it, and and make connections like this, and and I had, you know, and everything was everything that's happened to this moment, all was visualized. Nothing was an accident. It was all dreamed up. Looking at the ceiling, where you know, I I was like, wow, if I'm gonna do this, and it was tough. You struggle with yourself you talk yourself out of it yep. you'd wake up the next morning talk yourself back into it yep. am, am i really going to do this the am, life of an entrepreneur yeah am i going to put my picture on this you know mm -hmm. am i going to call it murphs you know what if people what are people going to say right are they going to laugh at me are they going to make fun of me and, and Cor yeah. struggle the insecurities all creep in yeah and i fought it for a year because what it yeah it took me a year so to, i i i understand why you fought it what was it that triggered in you because I think brand awareness is something that's important that all entrepreneurs need to really put more time and effort into learning. And it's not something that you can consciously study, but it, it's about self-awareness, I think. What was that trigger point for you that said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to bite the bullet. I am the face and the name of the brand. It, it just was sort of uh, just pushing myself to do it, like pushing myself almost like a, and I'm, I'm making this analogy up as I as just came to me. Your first time going on a high diving board, you're scared. You're sort of walking very slowly into the board. You're looking over and yep. you're, you know, you're scared and you just got to, you know, you don't want to come back down that ladder Yep. and you jump and it's not as bad as you thought it was. I, I love, I love the, I love the analogy because on, pre, on a previous episode of the show, I talked about Steve, Steve Harvey, the comedian actually wrote a book, but he did a, he did a, um, he did a, a piece during a commercial break on Family Feud one night, and it went viral on, on YouTube. And it was all about, you've got to take that opportunity and you've got to jump. And you've got to make that move and take that decision and understand that, yeah, something bad might happen. But if you don't make that leap of faith, take that jump, you'll never know if something good can happen. I, 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 lo I love the analogy and, and the path that you're going down. So keep going. So um, my vision from... From now, I'm in the planning center. I decided when I, I jumped off the diving board, okay. all right? And I, I said, you know, I, and I had a, and I know this is sort of geared towards entrepreneurs. I'm so happy to, that I can go down this path. Was I wanted one bottle, one shelf in one supermarket? That was my vision. One, you know, so it wasn't like um, I was tackling the world where it was. I'm going to have, a, you know, ten thousand bottles on ten thousand shelves. So, so I, I just simplified it. If I can get one of my bottles on one shelf in one supermarket, and then I'll figure out the next step from there. And that, and that was sort of my mantra. Um, you know, if I can use a sports on yeah, and this go, is all go, go for it. These earphones must have like some sort of stimulation. My brain I, is, I'm not telling you what we're piping into your head through the headphones. <laughs> uh, I read a book about, uh, or sort of a documentary about Bill Walton, who was okay. a famous basketball player. And his, his nemesis was Abdul Jabbar. Yep. And his form of exercise of getting in shape was riding bicycles in long sort of triathlons kind of thing. And he says in his, his you know, Jabbar, 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 he would go for miles and just repeat Jabbar, that he had to, you know, raise his game to compete against that. That was his Jabbar. muse. Correct. Mine was one bottle. I think it was a takeoff of, of Walton after seeing that. One bottle, one shelf, one supermarket. One bottle, one shelf one supermarket and I just kept repeating that myself and you know in the, and you we're very similar in the books we read and the tapes we listen to and the podcasts we listen to we're, we're going to go down that path in a little bit yeah um you know the the power of attraction 
And I just attracted that just by energy into my life. And I said, that's going to happen. And then what happened, we figured out the next steps. There you yeah. go. I love, so let's, let's go, let's work backwards. What, because you talk about the power of a trial and I'm listening to you and I'm saying, man, I've, I read a book that talks about this. I read a book that talks about that. I want to dive into the library of things that have kind of put you in that position as we, as we go through. But, but right now let's go backwards a little bit. What got you to the point? So you're working in the financial services business. You're managing money for people. You're doing okay. You, you spin off and you say, I've got this passion project that I'm going to work on. I'm, and I'm going to refer to it as a passion project, not as a side hustle, because I think there's a big difference between the okay. two. Um, but what was it, what were the, the series of events in your life that led you to that point where you could have that confidence and that self-awareness or, or what triggered that, screw it, let's do it? Probably early on doing self-development back in the 80s and 90s. Um, you know, just sort of reading the books, going to Dale Carnegie public speaking okay. courses. I know one of, uh, I walked out as a senior in college, I was in the public speaking course. They were all freshmen in my class because I avoided public speaking for four years until they're like, you have to take it. Yep. And I remember doing my first speech and in the middle of the speech, I walked out of the room out of fear. And... Um, they drag. I remember the te the teacher was from Australia, and it's being video. It's all being videotaped, and you hear his voice because he's off camera. Steve, you're doing okay in an Australian, and I'm like, I'm gonna finish this. I'm I'm not feeling well. I just basically walked out of the room. They, the, it's all these freshman friends of mine, dragged me back in the room and made me finish the speech. That triggered something in my mind that I had a great fear of public speaking, as most people do. As most people do, and I tackled that fear when I got into the business world. I went and took a Dale Carnegie course, and I did okay. I was like maybe average. I wasn't the best. I wasn't the worst. But um, I don't know. Have you ever done a Dale Carnegie course? I did one years, and okay. I've, I've been in a real estate game since 97. I think I did one back in late 98, early 99. Just to yeah. sort of, yeah. And that was it. Yeah. It was get the rust off kind of thing. Yeah. At the end of the course, you may remember, may not, they, the last the graduation, they ask um, – some of the, the people in the course to vote for what's called a graduate yep. assistant. Yep. And uh, the graduate assistant is someone who assists the teacher. He gives sample speeches. He's doing it for free. He's not getting paid. And no one voted for me. And I, and I didn't need, I didn't earn a vote. I wasn't the best. You know, the best people, oh, you'd be great. You'd be great. Right. You'd be great. So I said to the teacher, after everyone cleared out, I said, look, can, can you volunteer to be a graduate assistant? Yeah, of course, you know. And I volunteered, and the long story of that is I spent the next five years graduating assistant, graduate assistant, grad, awesome. like maybe five or six different courses. And they're long. These are not, yeah, they're, they're, they're months. Yeah, months. They're 14-week courses. These are four-hour classes. Um, and, and I know I'm sort of getting off track. No, it, keep going. But, but that training, and when you're doing things like Dale Carnegie, you're reading books, Tony Robbins. And, and I like Tony Robbins. I've been to a few of his um, – workshops and seminars, but my guy back then was Jim Rohn. Okay. Who is the godfather of that, yeah, that industry. Yeah. He just, his, he resonated with yeah. me. And, and what was interesting, Jim Rohn was Tony Robbins's mentor. Yeah. Okay. And so, and then you got into Brian Tracy a little bit mm -hmm. and then just kind of going through this path of self-development. I know it's a long answer to your question of what pushed you. We've got nothing but time. Listen, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not getting paid to do this, and I own the studio, so we can go for hours if you want. <laughs> it, 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 I think it was that 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 urge and that work that I put in to be to to do something different, to impact people, to try to do something special, to do something interesting, 
And that, and that was, and this is the line, that pushed me over the line of that fear. Because I'm telling you, that's about, you know, yeah. we all know, that's yeah. a battle. Um, it never ends. Never ends. You know, I, I talk all the time. People say to me, oh, you, you know, it, it, more and more, and, and I'm, I'm very humbled by it and somewhat embarrassed by it, but more and more I run into people who say, oh, I saw you, I heard your podcast, I saw your show, I saw this, I saw that. You're great at it. And in reality, I don't, this to me, I, I'm learning to enjoy it. Because I love, like we were talking before, I love just being a guide in your process. My role right now is to sit here and, t and help you tell your story to make you the hero, and I can ride off into the sunset. And I refer back to Yoda, who's sitting over my right shoulder all the time. I want to be the guide in the process. Uh, and I love being able to hold the spotlight to put it on other people. And, and that's what really makes me happy and excited. But the public speaking and getting on camera and doing this still kind of, I, I don't want to say it terrifies me anymore because I've just gotten so used to it and realized that it's a necessary thing for me to achieve what I need to do and what I want to do. And that's help other people. So it's my job to pull people out of their shell. And if I go into the shell, well, then there's no need for either of us to be sitting here. We may as well go find a bottle of vodka and mix it with what we're <laughs> drinking here and go to town. Um, so I've, you know, I remember my first, my first speech class in high school, um, and, and I'll never forget uh, Mr. Wineland and then Miss Gagne were the teachers, and I remember their names because I remember I was terrified to do it, and I had to write the speech and get it approved by one and then do the speech in front of the other, and it was the first day I ever got an English class in my life, and I was terrified the mm. entire time. Oh, yeah. And there was no podium or lectern in front of me. I had to stand in front of that room what I thought I was you know, they say, look at everybody in the room, is there naked? The yeah. whole time I was up there, I thought I was the one who was butt naked. And it just put the fear of God in me. But every once in a while, I'd look up and I'd see, I'd see a head nodding. And I never, this, the, speech, the speech I did was on how the different dialects of the five boroughs evolved. I don't know how the subject came up, but I researched and, it. And, you know, not the easiest subject in the world. No, and it was, something, it was something right. I knew nothing about. So yeah. I spent a month researching it. And I was like, oh, this makes sense because I'm a guy who moved from, I was literally, I think, 11 blocks away from the Nassau Queens border in Floral Park, which is where I grew up till I was 10. And then I moved over the Nassau County line to Garden City. Culture shock. But when I never forget my first day of school, everybody looked at me the minute I opened my mouth. They thought I was a kid from Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not from, my whole family's from Brooklyn, but I'm from Queens. And like, if the wind is blowing, I can spit over the <laughs> county line. Didn't matter. And Garden City is a world unto itself. Um, but I was referred to as the kid from Brooklyn. And back in those days, I was just as wide as I am, as I was tall. You know, I was built like a weeble. I was way overweight, lived in the Husky section at JC Penney's. <laughs> never forget it, the embarrassment of it. Um, but I stood up in front of that room talking the way that I still talk now, sounding different than everybody else in the room. And I'll never forget Mr. Wineland sitting in that back right corner. And every once in a while I'd look up cause I, they beat it into my head. You've got to make eye contact with everybody in the room. I count one, two, three, four. And he was number 15 in the classroom. I get to him, he'd look at me, just kind of give me that little nod of approval. And I will never forget what he did for me to help get me to overcome, overcome that hurdle. And, you know, we all need our little heroes. And he was the hero for me that day. So, nice. Great yeah. story. Cool. Yeah, I, I like, I, I haven't talked about him in ages, but still get a lot of good memories about, about you know, the high school is not something I ever want to do over again. I wouldn't relive it in, on a bet. But I remember a few handful of people. He was one head football coach, Tom Flatley, who unfortunately just passed away not too long ago. Was another guy who kind of taught me that leadership is something that you've got to embrace. And he's the one who taught me that the, the true leaders are the ones who build the great leaders. And I've I've never forgotten that. I give him credit for that line all the time. But let's get back to you. The job is to put the spotlight on you. So let's talk. Keep going. Talk to me more about Murphs. What's next? 
So, Mer, so now we have a brand that uh, I got. I got. I achieved that one shelf, one supermarket, and you know it started getting serious. And and what what happened? And again, I kind of knew in my mind and my heart I had something special in terms of not only branding, an attraction brand, and 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 the whole name and the Murph and the personality. <coughs> Excuse me, but I still needed the market. To, to tell me, you know, the markets is reality, right. you know, that, you know, there's what's on my head and then what really goes mm-hmm. on. And Perception the, versus yeah. reality. And the market was, and it, you know, look, it started out as my family and friends and I heard a lot of, I'm sorry, I got a coffee. <coughs> I heard a lot of, hey, Mer, you know, cause I, I knocked on some doors locally, beverage bonds, a couple of supermarkets. And I heard a lot of, uh, wow, Murph, I, I'm not saying this because it's you. Because we know each other. Right. I'm telling you, you got the best Bloody Mary. I'm telling you. Got, and I kind of knew that, but I needed to hear it, not for needed ego. Needed validation. Yeah, not for ego, for like, wow, this, I, you know. Product validation. Correct. Gotcha. So, I, I, you know, and it was confirmed. Uh, I had something special. And Merce, you know, I still say with great certainty to anybody, um, and, you know, we, I learned that you're a big supporter, a big user and supporter of the yep. brand. I said, look, I got the best mix in the country. And when I meet people for the first time, I go, I know you're expecting me to say that. Of course, I would say that. It's my brand. But I'm just telling you, I have the best mix in the country. And, oh, we'll, we'll let you know. And, you know, next thing you know, it's like the best I've ever had. When I learned to cook with it, it immediately became the best thing I could put on the shelf when, when it came to the category. Yeah. By far. And it, it's, you know, it's an extremely versatile product. It's not just, hey, pour some vodka in, get drunk, and fall down. Yeah. There's so much more to it than just a simple cocktail. And that came off from my, co- like, again, product validation. So I knew I had something special. And then I, I said, look, I got to get serious about this. And I started um, uh, knocking on more doors. And I started doing tastings in supermarkets. And that, again, you, you want to talk about a fear? Yeah. Just, you know, we always walk by those people like, yeah, I'll try. And then, oh, good, good luck to you. Yep. When you're that person, it's a completely different, you know. Totally. Gives you such new perspective on it as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it's when it's the brand people, it's not an employee of the store. It's you. You don't belong there. They've given you permission to be there for a while. Correct. That, that That's a very challenging spot to be in. Very challenging. And you got to learn the different nuances um, when you're in that store. You're, it's like when you're in someone's supermarket, you're in someone's home. Yep. And behave like you're in someone's home. You're that's a right. guest. You're a guest. Uh, and I learned that quick. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it became to brand, you know, how am I going to expand this brand? And, you know, and what happened was I, I live in a town where everyone's, you know, I got money. I'm going to, you know, I, I invest in this. And, you know, people coming at me with checkbooks. And I was saying, no, no. You know, this is like a year and two, three years into this. I'm still all by myself doing it. And um, I, I, I said, no. And they said, why? Why are you not taking my money? I said, listen. I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. So I'm not going to take your money. And the last thing I wanted to do was particularly whether friend, investor, stranger is be like, you know, I gave that guy Murph uh, some money and uh, nothing came back. Yeah. So I didn't, ne- I never wanted that attached to my reputation. So said, you're a hundred percent self-funded. I was at the time. Okay. And then uh, what happened and you, my partner called just before we started the podcast he, uh, because I, I, and I'm honest about this, I'm very good at being uh, the ambassador, the face of the brand, and the and the and um, being on engaging shows like this. Right. Um, been on a pretty uh, a couple cool TV shows, yeah. some radio, and we've done some commercials, really cool stuff, fun stuff. But I'm I'm not really good at running a business. Okay. And my partner Phil, 
uh, you know, we work for each other in finance and he, you know, it's funny. He goes, you're still doing this? I'm like, yeah, he goes, and he just started kind of being interested in the brand and he kind of took it around. He lives on the North shore of Long Island near Huntington. And he started going to delis with it. Just, he was curious. And he said, why, he said, Murph, why are you not bigger? Everyone loves you. Everyone loves this brand. Why are you not bigger? And I said, shut the door. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And I go, I don't want to run a business. <laughs> I love it. It was true. Um, you know, for, you know, from, from, I'm talking about a really a good core guy running your business. Right. Not a, not a job, not a hobby, a business. Yeah. And, and yeah. there's, that's a big distinction because I talk about it with agents that I, that I work with and coach and train with all the time about understanding the difference between, is it a hobby or is it truly a business or is it a job for you? And there's a big difference between the, between the three, yeah. but the hobby and business is too many people in business who really treat it like a hobby. And I noticed that because, you know, I'm in an industry that's oversaturated with people and the barrier of entry, no disrespect to, to most of the realtors out there, but the barrier of entry to get a real estate license is, you know, can you stay awake for 75 hours and then pass a, pass a yeah, test? Yeah. Not the most challenging thing in the world. Challenging to do well and create a career and a business out of it, but too many people are hobbyists. And, and, and that's what's happened with the word entrepreneur has become very sexy over the last couple of years, the last five, yeah. seven years. Yeah. Um, I always fought, I always fought it. I said, no, I'm just a small business owner. And I looked at it differently because I've treated mine as a business. And I always looked and perceived an entrepreneur was somebody who achieved business success. I couldn't call myself one until I got there until many people started to beat the hell out of me and say, well, you, you run four companies, you've invested in four or five companies, you're making money, you're doing something. Okay. You know? mm. And I said, okay, if you want to call me an entrepreneur, I'll accept it, but I'm still <laughs> not going to, I'm still not going to own it yet. Although we're, we're developing a new website and my web designer, who's also a business coach and mentor has insisted that I put it as part of the headline. So I'm still cringing, but we'll, we'll figure that out as we go along. Got to jump off the diving board. That's yeah. it. Continue. So once Phil sort of grabbed onto it and said, you know, you're doing all this alone, Murph. Um, you know, I, I see some of the challenges you're having and uh, I, I think I can address those challenges. I can help you, you know, and on a handshake, she became a partner. Like I love it. That, that so you're, you're equal partners. No, he became okay. a, he asked for a certain percentage. Gotcha. Um, and you know, he said, listen, I, you know, I, I can help. I can play this role. And once it's funny, once I knew I had that guy in the back, you know, I would, like a restaurant, the front of the store, the guy mm -hmm. was shaking everyone's hands and seeing everyone has the food and the guy in the back of the store that no one sees that makes sure everything is copacetic. Right. The kitchen's running correctly. He's ordering, he's making sure he's getting the best price on the meat, on the soups and yep. everything he's buying. So, that's what Phil plays that role. I love it. So um, once I had that in place, then all those guys who were trying to throw money at me, <coughs> you know, two, two, three years prior, I went right. back to them and said, listen, <laughs> you still got that checkbook? So then we did a, we did a round of uh, friends and family, uh, and we immediately created uh, some really cool marketing. You had a plan. Yeah, we had a plan. And then we, uh, we, uh, we got introduced to a, um, a very cool distributor that was very open to taking us on. And... Um, Unfortunately, they got bought uh, about three years ago, which sort of was a, uh, one of those speed bumps in life yep. you don't see coming because yep. we were really rolling with them. But they had a show that we showed up to, uh, a trade show. It was our first year, first trade show ever. And Phil is with me six months, maybe. So we're at the trade show. And, you know, we're both in sales. So we're like, how do we gauge ourselves? And, um, you know, this is a, this is a semi, this is, I wouldn't say a national, I would say uh, half thir about 30 representatives from 30 states okay. were, were, were at this show. So maybe half the country. Um, and you're still a, a local a local brand for the most part? I have, I have like 
30 accounts. Mostly in, in the Long Island area? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like I can drive to them by the back of my car. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I have 30 accounts, and now we're at this national trade show with this really cool booth that we made, you know, designed all murfed out and everything. Right. And um, we're salespeople, so we said, you know, to one, we grabbed someone at, at the distributor level and said, what, how do we gauge, you know, how do we know we're for real? How do we know we're going to be, you know, be here tomorrow? What, you know, well, if you can sell, um, Phil knows these numbers better, but it was something like if you can sell, uh, what was it? If you could sell, um, if you can walk away here with 50 accounts, new accounts, and uh, sell 500 cases, uh, you, we, we, we'd be impressed by that. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. So and you didn't know any better. We didn't know any better. <clears throat> we sold um, 900 accounts, okay, a little bit more than 50, and uh, we sold uh, probably about um, 2,000 cases. That's awesome. Yeah. It's and amazing what you can achieve when you have no idea what the hell the goal is. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we kind of, um, we came out of the gate strong, and we went from 30 accounts to being in like 30 states overnight. That's awesome. Because all because now all those people that bought are you know they're in Tennessee, they're in Florida, they're in Georgia, they're in uh, New Hampshire, you know they're in Maine, uh, they're in New Jersey. So because these are all these supermarkets, that buyers that came to all these right. shows. So we we had a business overnight. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. and it, like you said, it it became a business, and it all stemmed from the fact that you were. Um, smart enough and humble enough to know what your strengths and weaknesses were. And because you weren't looking for it, the right opportunity and the right person showed up. Yeah. And it was the second, like you said, just to jump back, this was the second time you were approached or. No, I was. No, so so I was, Phil uh, came to you and then all of this started to happen. Yeah. Phil came to me as, as a partner, you a working the, partner. You had the, the offers for the investors. Was just, take my money, take my money, take my money. Yeah. You're on to something. Right. And I was like, I, I and, and there's, <laughs> you're a finance guy. There's part of the problem with mm. the world we live in today is that everybody can raise venture capital, but nobody can produce a product or a business. How many of them have gone under as a result of it? Yeah. So here you are as a guy who's bootstrapping yourself and something in your head triggers and says, nope, got to do it myself. I've got to, I'm listening to you and I'm going to throw my own words. You've got a moral and ethical obligation to your investors. Therefore, you don't know if you have a viable product. I wanted to give them a fighting chance, yeah. you know, not something, oh, sure, you know, Make that check right. out to me, and right. and you know, and and you know, uh, I care about my reputation as a human being. Yep. I have a family, I have kids. I didn't, I didn't want anybody to walk away with, um, you know, hard feelings because yeah. you know, bad news travels way faster than good news. That's that might be the understatement of the episode. And the last thing I wanted was um, a situation where people f felt a little burned, and I yeah. wasn't. I was like, I, I, I now have something here that I feel comfortable raising money. Right. And I would say, look, you know, this is, we can make a lot of money here or this could be, this could be money that could be zero one day because yep. it just, just those, that's the reality yep. of it. And everyone understood. So. But you're a prohibition proof product now because we can cook with it and do so <laughs> many other things. You never know how extreme things can go. Yeah. <laughs> so the cooking, I, I wanted yeah. to spend a, a couple yeah, moments because you that. touched on that earlier and, and you know, I, I, I will harp on it. I owned a restaurant for a couple of years in New York City. The greatest thing that happened to me was that I got out of it. Um, but it was the greatest education I've ever gotten in my life. And I've, I, my, my world opened up so much in being exposed to people in that industry. And what I learned about the hospitality industry is that it is very much incestuous. Everybody knows everybody else. And they know who's doing the right thing and who's doing the wrong thing. And they all pray for and protect each other and work with each other. Um, 
so food is something I've always been passionate about. I'm raised by an Irish Italian mom, um, had a Sicilian grandmother, like I mentioned in probably 25 of our previous 30 episodes, the only Sicilian woman in the history of the world who could not cook. She could burn water. <laughs> um, but her three daughters were all incredible cooks and I've watched them. And in being around, you know, my, my GM and head chef, uh, basically my, my operating partner in my place in the city, Steve DeLima, um, opened my eyes to so many different things and the creativity. And I'm still to this day a little bit of a picky eater, but I've come so far out of that shell. And we talked about, I've used other products to cook with, but I, I actually absolutely love using yours in the kitchen. So jump in and let's tell some more stories. It all was derived, Dean, from, from my customer base. And early on where people would say, Mur Murph, great Bloody Mary. But by the way, I use it, I use it on a brisket. I'm like, mm -hmm. who? And then a, a friend of mine in the restaurant business, he owns about five restaurants in Sarasota, who's one of my friends from childhood. Uh, he was, uh, you know, on very on early on, like Murph, uh, you know, I, I do a mussels dish with yep. this. I, I, I do um, a meatloaf with it, yep. you know, and, th and then I'm thinking, wow, you know, ketchup or sauce, Murph's. And, and in reality, it is an all natural, yep. tomato based, thick, rich, delicious product. So chefs, and we've talked about a few chefs that we know in yep. common, um, Chef Eric Levine and um, also Chef, um, who was chef here two weeks ago? Jonathan Sinto. Jonathan Sinto, yep. who uh, I once sponsored at a, at a, at a chef. He was, he was at a chef. The, uh, the international. Yeah. You know, he I, had, I sponsored him for the yeah. one that got canceled because of the whole COVID thing this year. Yeah, this is going back like four or five years. Yeah. He, he had a Murph's yep. uh, logo on him, which was cool. So in in one of the biggest compliments is Murph's is when it gets to, I, I'm in love with my customers and people who, who foodies telling me they're using it. But when a chef like Jonathan Sinto and a chef like Chef Eric are saying Murph, I, I, I'm using this as my restaurant. These are right. celebrity chefs we're talking about yeah, here. The, these these are, are, these are, these are the pros among the pros. Yeah. And, and it, it, it just validated. So I, I said not only other than just saying, well, that's pretty, that's pretty neat. I, I use it as a marketing Mm -hmm. And like you said, I forget the word used, but a diverse, um, you know, more of a global, right. globalized product versus just a one use. And it's right on my label when you, you know, and it's in that box there, but when you buy Murph's off the shelf on the side, you'll see us, you'll see, um, whether it's the hot and spicy, you'll see hot wings. Yeah. So that's a trigger like, oh, yeah. Once I get the consumer thinking, then it, then, then, then it, I don't, my, my job's done. Oh. Yeah. That's why I love the, I love when people use the outside of the box for a reason. And, and, mm. you know, the whole think outside the box thing, it, when you put it there and like you said, I, I love the, the line you use, it triggers something, you know, yeah. I, I've always looked at it and I, I, I love seafood, but it's the, you know, literally one day sitting at the house and having a party and there's no, there's no cocktail sauce. I'm like, all right, knucklehead, you forgot to buy it. What do we do? I don't want to run back out. I'm already four drinks in. What do we do? Look in the fridge or look in the pantry and boom, there's a, there's a beautiful bottle of Murphs. Let's go put it, literally put it in a ramekin and people started dipping. I'm like, that works. And yeah. what, could, what could we do next? Let's cook it down a little bit. We cook the shrimp in and did all <laughs> sorts of crazy things with them. I'm like, son of a bitch, this is good. And it's not like you have to add anything because all the ingredients are already there. It yeah. really is a fantastic product. Yeah, and it's made, uh, uh, just one quick, on the cooking process, um, just some education. You know this probably from restaurant, but for your audience, we do something called we kettle kettle cook, yep. which is 45 minutes, like 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 your slow cook, slow cook yep. kettle, like your three aunts, your mother and your two yep. aunts, 
You know, I figured that one out. Yep, that, thank you. All right. I, I was just doing the math. I'm yeah. like, wait, who's the other one? <laughs> Your mother and your two aunts, the three great, the great, the three great uh, chefs from the... <laughs> the, the Murray uh, girls. Yeah, the Murray girls. That's okay. Right. Um, you know, it's like Sunday sauce. Yep. We're cooking this stuff. Uh, my competitors, and I want to get this before because it's a little esoteric, is the ones with the plastic bottle, the ones that don't taste too very good, or the ones that are cheaply made. They're what's known as flash pasteurized. Okay. Which means they're heating it up in heat tunnels to like eight seconds to pasteurization. Okay. I'm kettle cooking. I'm 45 minutes before I, before I bottle it, you know, to bring it to pasteurization. So just, I'm starting with water and tomato paste, like, right. like it's Sunday sauce. So once I kind of get that resonating with the consumer, they're like, I get it. It's not a sauce, but it's like a sauce. It's a little thinner than the sauce, mm-hmm. but in a jam, I can use it as a sauce right. or a flavoring or an additive um, or marinating, yep. you know, marinating steak or yeah. chicken or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, um, it's a big part of the marketing. It's not just like, Oh, and by the way, it's I a, mean, it, because, because it gives you, while you may be pigeonholed to that section of the store, you're bringing other sections of the store with you when they get there. And it, it actually, if you think about it from, from a grocery store owner, having a product like that makes sense because of the fact that it'll trigger an action in somebody, depending on where they place it for you say, you know what, maybe I do need to go get an extra pack of chicken or some shrimp or this or that. And, and it, it, it becomes a money-making product for, for, the, for the business owner. And a mover, yeah. 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 Uh, and another thing, just and it's, it's always about the consumer, um, they need to know they're getting value. You know, and, and when you, and I'm not talking about made-up value, right. you know, tricking not them. perceived value, yeah, actual value. like real value. Like, you know, and I have recipe cards when I'm doing um, – uh, my engagements, which are down drastically, like ninety, well, like, like everyone else, like ninety-four percent. <laughs> but I do a lot of so I do a lot of consumer engagements, yep. uh, and uh, I have a recipe card that's really cool. And what and some what I say is, and sometimes this is true. I have a one-liter bottle, and sometimes a husband and wife will have a Bloody Mary, maybe one or two, and there'll be this much left in the bottle. Right. And a Bloody Mary, uh, admittedly, is the kind of drink where oh, this goes back in the fridge. And in your mind, you're like, I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to have that again. Right. It just is. Right. It just, it's like maple syrup. Yeah. I don't know what I mean. You know, right. It'll sit it'll forever. Be, it'll sit forever. But I say, hey, by the way, ever, you know, when you got this much left in the bottle, next time you're making meatloaf, make that. Oh, yeah. It's a great idea. Chicken wings. Oh, th- marinate a steak. Right. Make it part of, you know, you know uh, spice up one of your sauces, a soup, a dip. Yeah. Just like you did. And uh, ne- and next thing you know, that bottle's not sitting there. I gotta be honest with you, I'm sitting here thinking there's a recipe I make I, I make a lot in the in, in the winter. It's a soup and my dad loves it. And dad's down in Florida. But I used to make gallons of it. And it's just, it's this Italian sausage to- and tortellini soup with a ton of vegetables in it that I actually found I can't remember who who the, the player is, but it was in an NFL cookbook of all places. And this is going back twenty five years. Tom played for the Colts. Tom, something with an M, and I can't. I, oh, I'm, it, it doesn't matter. But no, I'm, now you got me thinking. Yeah, I'm. I'm think. I'm sitting here, and I'm saying, you know what? Instead of using that extra can of tomato sauce that goes in there, use the 16 ounces of this. Really kick it up. Use the sweet sausage instead of. You got me thinking food, which is not a good thing because as a fat guy, when I start <laughs> thinking food, I put on four or five pounds a day. So it's a wonderful thing, but not not a, not a perfect timing thing. But that's exactly it. Is you know. How often do you finish a whole bottle, and is it just going to sit in the fridge? And you know, you look at the bottles and say, "What what else can I do with it?" Yeah. And that's the innovator and the creator is don't just lay it down sideways because it doesn't stand up on a shelf in the fridge. Do something else with it and multi-purpose that. As any good chef will tell you, you know, the the less you waste, the more money you make. So yeah. But you know, every every last drop. 
And I, 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 you know, in my marketing is, you know, just from being in sales is the kiss, you know, keep it, keep, keep it simple, keep, stupid, keep, keep it simple, stupid. I, I never leave anything to chance. And I know my, my consumers are intelligent, but I want to tell them like, use it. Uh, you know, I don't let them try to figure it out. Right. I, I put the pictures right on the bottle of, um, on my hot and spicy. I have the picture of the chicken wings, very savory looking image of like, oh, wow. Yeah, I could put Murph's. And then on the regular, just to mix it up a little bit, I have a picture of, of, of cooked steak that was perceived to be marinated in Murph's. Gotcha. And it's, a, and it's just, again, it's that trigger. Yeah. Get the consumer to go, yeah, you're not, you know what? And I never want to take it away from being a great Bloody Mary, but look what else, look what else, you you're, know, look you're, what else it can do. And you're positioning, you're positioning the consumer to feel more intelligent in their own eyes as well because they're not wasting. Yeah. You know, and and I don't know if that's what you're going for or not, but I'm, these are just little things that I'm seeing right now that I'd like to talk about because I, I always say part of what I love about the show is I want people to understand just because I'm in the real estate business doesn't mean this is a real estate podcast. Just because you're in, in the Bloody Mary business doesn't mean it's a Bloody Mary podcast. You've got to get creative and and broaden your horizons and, and look at things with a very different set of eyes. Um like I just said, you know, I've been, I've been making this recipe for 25 years and all of a sudden I've got an idea. I'm going to do something different. I want people to listen to the stories that you're telling and, and the lessons that, that need to be learned and, and figure out how they can apply these things to their own business. So I appreciate the fact that not only are you bring a wealth of knowledge, but you bring a wealth of opportunities and ideas to people if they do have an open mind. Keep going. We're on a roll. Cool. So, uh, <laughs> so now I have this sort of a dual brand and then really what it came down to is you know obviously growing the brand and thinking this went from a hobby to a business and you know how, how can you know how can, you know we have to learn the intricacies and the ins and outs of the business and one thing i did learn uh it took a while because i and i'm going to say this self-deprecating and i'm going to i thought i was going to charm my way through this whole thing it's what okay. it sounds funny but, but listen, yeah. I'm sitting here with you. We're on the air almost 42 minutes, yeah. and I can see why you would say that. It, it, yeah. It's part of who you authentically are. Yeah, I said, uh, you know, <laughs> um, I'm sure the charm works this much, but the other is, and I, I hate to say, put the industry, but no one cares. Yeah, they okay. don't care. It's every distributor, every supermarket buyer. Um, they will look at you um, with 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 of. I don't care how much, how much of this, stuff, right. How margins. Much, yeah. How much is this costing me? Can I put it on my shelf? Can I move it? Margins. I don't Murph this Murph that. Right. Yeah. I don't care if you, if you do, um, a break dance on my table. Let's go. I'd like to I'd see pay that. To see that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to change the story. So, so cut out the charm and let's get down. To, and, it, and it's a very, uh, I, I've used this analogy. I said like in the restaurant business, or in the supermarket business, it, it looks really pretty on the shelf yeah. or in the restaurant. But it looks, wow, look at that. And, you know, thank you, Mr. Waiter. Wow, look at that pasta premiere. That looks delicious. And I don't mean this from an unsanitary way, but a lot of hands. It, yes. That had to go to. A yep. lot of people had to touch that to get that to look so pretty. Right. And and, and no one's doing that for their health. Well, it's, no, no. <laughs> well it, 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 yeah. it's it's not the kind of thing that anybody does for fun and, and and think about it because you know i was reading some reviews of some restaurants online today because mm. people sent me a few things to look into for the the other show that we do um and and we were talking about it and you looked at it and said it, it amazes me how some people can the audacity some people have to complain about the slightest little thing in a restaurant and i get it the consumer's always right but in my opinion is they're always right until they're not mm. there's, there's a line where the consumer doesn't realize that they're wrong 
But like to mention it, you think about that plate of pasta that you got there. Someone says, well, I can go buy a box of pasta and a, and a stick of butter and some cheese and make the same thing at home. Yeah, you can. A, it's not going to be as good more, more often than not. B, someone's got to wash that dish and that fork and that spoon. Someone's got to carry it out to you. Someone's got to sit there and make the dish. Someone's got to buy it. Somebody's got to make the product that the restaurant owner is buying. There are so many steps that go involved in a business, and it just brings me back to I love the fact that you had that awareness to bring on somebody to do the part of your business that you felt you were not suited to do properly, to do it justice. Not that you probably couldn't have figured it out, but look at how quickly you were able to elevate and grow as a result of bringing on it was like the right person. Overnight change, yeah. yeah. So one of the challenges was learning and appreciating the steps of the business where when I found out I'm not going to charm my way through this thing, even though I got the best product and everyone loves it, is to understand that every hand that touches this is a hand is in a very important hand. I'm, I'm talking about the distributor, the warehousing of it, the execution of delivery, then the buyer, then the store takes it in and, and, and their warehousing and their trucking, whose trucking are we using? I mean, exactly. all this stuff, all this unglamorous stuff that Phil, Phil takes care yeah. of, uh, you know, and I, I participate. So in. you get to live the sexy life and yeah. you get to live behind the curtain. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but, but it wouldn't surprise yeah. me in the slightest bit if Phil would prefer to be in that role and pop his head out to say hello from time to time. He does. But, he does. Yeah. He does. He's good at both roles. Um, I'm not good at, I'm, he's excellent at his role, sort of the back of the house role. I call him, you know, the, he's, he's, C, he's CEO, CEO you know, chief yeah. operation officer. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, 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 well, what does Phil do? All, in, all, all the non-glamorous stuff yeah. that I don't want to do. Yeah. You know, I'm not good at doing it. Right. So, so here, here you are yeah. sitting here with me and we've got two cameras rolling and we've got mics going and Phil's in the back and he's crunching numbers and doing the things, like you said, that are not glamorous that afford you the opportunity to come do this to be that brand ambassador, which is a major important yeah. role. And that phone call that happened right before this podcast right. was him saying, do, do we, do we extend terms to a certain customer that we've had? Pro you know, here's another thing, you yeah. know, collecting, getting, collecting, getting paid. It's a reality. <laughs> yeah. And it being a small business, you know, and, and, um, don't think they don't know that you're a small business. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and you know, they could strangle, you know, they can a distributor can put you out of business. Yes. At any moment. Those net 30 terms don't necessarily mean yeah. 30 days in many cases. Correct. Uh, people have amnesia. So there's, and there's a lot of, and I'm not going to get into it, but there's a lot of games that when you're dealing with the bigger players that account payable departments um, play, they just do. And just trust me on this one, they yep. do. Yep. Um, which we all had to learn. You know, we had to learn it. And, you know, there are some stock realities of this business, of any business, that are are not so nice and people don't play nice in the sandbox. And you just got to, it is what it is. Yeah. It's and it's the it's the world we live it's in. It's the nature of of business. It's yeah. the world we live in, which is which is an absolute understatement. But it's it's part of what makes it. Listen, we all love the victories, and we all love to see the success, and we love walking down the aisle and looking while we're grocery shopping and saying, "Hey, look, that shelf with all my stuff is empty because ten people just bought it." You hear in your head, "Ching ching," they got a reorder, which is a win for everybody. Uh, but it's it. There's challenges to it, and we fall on our face all too often. And yeah. I, that's where I want to go because we're 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 about three quarters of the way through this. So I want to ask you a question that I like to bring up all too often. What was the biggest challenge, struggle, or failure that you had in taking this product to where you are today? And you can go anywhere in the lifespan of the company. Give me some insight. One one is obvious. It, it's capital. So, you know, and that's everyone, that's yep. every business. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time, you know, five minutes telling you, you need capital. 
we all know every every entrepreneur knows to grow a brand either sooner or later you're going to need capital support the brand and support growth so capital was challenging and, and getting capital from the right you know the right people and people you feel comfortable with great great distinction mm. getting capital from the right people define as a guy who's got a background and a, and a, and a life in the finance business Give me some insight as to how you define the right and the wrong capital. Someone who's passionate about the brand as I am and looks at it uh, and sees the vision that I see. And very important to me was, well, you know, let's just, I'm going to give you a number, 25,000. You know, yes. hey, Joe, if, you know, if you lost this 25,000, would it, would it change our relationship? Would it change our life? And that trust, no, I understand what's at risk here. Let's go make this happen together. And someone who not only is an investor, but also has connections and talks, you know, people like to, like, people like to say, you know, hey, I, I'm in the title business, but I also have a piece of this Bloody Mary company. Oh, and they like to tell that story. Yeah. And who, and I have this one guy who's a New York City fireman who also was an entrepreneur, uh, my friend Steve, who was one of the guys from day one trying to hand me, hand me money. And then when I got Phil, I went back to him. He's always introducing me to new people because he's it. a networker. I love it. He's a New York City fireman. He's yeah. out there talking to everybody. Yeah. And he's opened a lot of doors for me. He, and he knows because I can tell a story pretty good. And he, he knows the brand is good. So all he knows is, hey, my guy Murph. And, you know, really, really? And and then he'll call me and go, listen, call this guy. And it could be a new account, a bar, a restaurant, or something like that. A, you know, a, a new relationship. Yeah. And he knows that I'm going to execute on that. So it's it's... Sort of like a teammate as well. a trust and a loyalty. And a teammate, too, mm -hmm. you know. And a guy who's also a, a cheerleader, too. He's like, Marv, come on, we can do this, you know. You need that. Yeah. You know, you do. Because we talked about education and everything, and I'm just going through my head and books that I've read, and I'm like, that's the title of this book. That's the title yeah, of this yeah, book. Yeah. It, 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 there's, so, there's so much value in it. And, and it, it goes to show the old cliche, you know, your network will determine what your net worth is. Um, and, ha and having these partners. I love the fact that you, you talk about – how the, the fact that you mentioned these people become valued resources to you, but they become assets and you, because you become an asset to them and they want to be part of your success. Um, and it's why like, I, I was listening to a couple of seconds ago and I remember a TV commercial. I think it was for chase or one of the other banks where they said, you know, we're your partner. We're not just your lender. We're mm. your partner in, in business. Um, it was one of those CNBC commercials that were kind of lesser known. Um, but they talked about that partnership and, and that's been coming up. You know, I, I did a coaching session last night with, with 20 some odd realtors and we talked about understanding the di distinction between I work here, I work for you, I work with you and who your true partners are. Um, and, and that's one of the things I'd love about the sales business is that while my name is on the shingle outside the front, front door and my name is on the commission checks that get paid to the agents, every one of them understands that they're my partner just as much as I'm their partner. We're, mm. there, we're there to benefit each other. And that's how you build a good business. So let's talk a little bit more about the business. How big is the company? How many people are involved? What's We have uh, myself and Phil. Okay. We have a guy named Bob uh, who is uh, sort of my street guy. Um, what I mean by that is he drives around a Murph van, a van that's all, uh, you know, um, wrapped. Wrapped in, in logo. In, in and Murph. Branded. You know, I put, you know uh, just a quick commercial not that this isn't a commercial. go for it uh i have two trademarks um you know one sip one believer one sip one believer and i'm sort of a polite challenge to the consumer hey if, if you take one sip you're going to believe in this product and it usually comes true and then you know and the fun part is is party with the murph 
Yeah. And that's one sip, one believer, party with the Murph. It's on the van. It's 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 on this I like this, it. this obnoxious van that he drives around. And that's that's yeah. the idea. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it, and he gets a lot of beeps and waves and this and that. He's up and down the block, you know, uh, Long Island uh, Expressway, Northern State, and he's hitting all the independent stores. Um, the Uncle Giuseppe's, the Ivarones, he's got um, the meat farm stores, you know, all these stores, all these cool stores mm-hmm. that are on Long Island. Yep. And, um, you know, bars, restaurants, he's doing all that kind of work for me. Um, he's an, he's sort of an independent, he does all the, he does other brands, so okay. he's not an employee. So we got Bob. I have uh, about five, six money partners who are, I, I'm not going to say silent, Um Active as cheerleaders, advisors, door openers. Okay. So they have money on the table, but they're also active. And then it's just me and Phil. Um, we're in about 30 states, and people say, well, there's two guys run 30 states. Well, we we, um, we manufactured a Farmingdale, New York, which okay. is two two towns over. Yeah. And when you when you get a relationship like Target, we, we're in 300 Targets in the Northeast. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and we're doing very well. We're in Wegmans. Okay, when you get a relationship, and we're in every Wegmans. I'm just naming names sure. that you consumers will relate to. Um, those are two of our, we're in Stop and Shop, every Stop and Shop. So w- when Phil was like, how does this work? How do we get it to Stop and Shop? How do we get it to Wegmans? How do we get it to Target? I said, Phil, this is sort of me learning the industry. It's, it's like ordering a pizza. They call up. <laughs> we make it. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> they call up and say, listen, we need like, you know, 10 pallets of Murphs. We make it. And then they send a truck to pick it up from our warehouse. And, the, and, you know, it, I made it sound now, easy. It's not that easy. But once you get in the rhythm of that, it, so does, it does become seamless. And, and, and or, because or easier. I've, been, I've been meeting more and more people who are in the food and, and that, that kind of business. Is there a Murph's factory? Do you have a shared space? How do you produce that much in that short a period of time? We ha- there's a, there's a fa- manufacturing plant in Farmingdale. It's a, it, it, when it started out as our co-packer, okay. which is sort of what people call contract manufacturing. Okay. Meaning we're hiring you to make our brand. and Here's our recipe. Make it exactly cor- the way you're told to do it. Correct. Okay. Correct. And then, he, and then they, in, in that sort of contract, um, they, they, there's, a certain where, there's a massive warehouse. Uh, they, we get a piece of that warehouse. So anytime, you know, the, the the truck makes an appointment to come to the warehouse, the the distributor truck, and you know we're in on that. We're in all the emails. Oh, that truck's that Target truck's gonna come here Wednesday between ten and eleven. The the manufa- the warehouse people have it ready. So when the truck pulls up, they forklift it on the truck, and that's then, it. Yeah, that's it. So, because think about it, there's a lot of there's a lot of parts you've got. So, I'm sure there's some consistency because you guys have built a decent enough amount of volume. Uh, but it sounds to me this is more of a kind of product that's almost almost made to order. Pretty much. Because you've got that consistency now. Yeah. And you can tweak the volume up or down a little bit if you had to. We, what, if we, yeah, if we had to. We, so, we, and, our runs are pretty consistent, but like if a Costco came in, right? We, we're, we're ready. Okay. We can do that. So if anybody out there from Costco tweaking. is listening, yeah. you know, you get the three gallon, you get the three gallon bottle of Murphs and you get a, <laughs> yeah, what the hell? We have the capacity. Good for you. That's, yeah. that's great. Uh, Cause I've always, I've always found that interesting. You know, we, we've got, um, we've got a young lady who's from Wontaw here, right, right in our hometown, uh, who got into the cookie business recently. And we're going to go out on the, on the road and do a show with her and in her, uh, shared commercial kitchen. And I, I just always find it interesting how, 
people can come up with these, what many people look at as say niche or smaller or lesser known products that are fantastic, but how do you, how do you scale? Um, and right now she's in that infancy stage of her business. Well, she's probably moving. I like to refer to businesses as, as going through life stages. So she's not in that infancy thought process. She's kind of in that toddler stage where she still, she knows how to walk, but she could fall down pretty easily if she's not careful. Um, you know, how she's building it out and, you know, what are the steps? And she's the one who goes into the commercial kitchen and can do five ovens worth, but eventually the rate she's growing so quickly, you know, she's one of those people who's a COVID survivor. She turned around and took the opportunity and said, well, everybody's been telling me to make my cookies and boom, next thing you know, she's in this store and that store and this restaurant and that one. And she's exceeding capacity because she's, she's that, as my dad likes to say, she's that one arm paper hanger. Uh, That's not the, my cookie dealer. It's a different one, right? No, this yeah. is a, a yeah. young lady by the name of Heather, and she's got Chonky Cookies, so I'll give okay. her a plug here, C-H-O-N-K-Y Cookies. Okay. Um, but, you know, she's up at the Bethpage Burger Bar, and she's uh, she, her cookies are on top of their enormous, um, um, incredible creation milkshakes that they make. And she's in, she's now at, at uh, you know, the Food Truck Fridays, and a lot of them are inviting her out, and she's at different farmer's markets, and she's in different shops and restaurants. Um, but, but I watched that happen and I'm excited to be part of her growth to help promote what she's doing. Um, because you, you love to see people level up to that maturity, that adolescence, that adulthood, uh, and build a business that's big enough to be as successful as she wants it to be, or to use a line from one of my favorite books by Michael Gerber, the e-myth, build it so big that you can sell it if you choose to. Uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm happy to see people like that. And I kind of think, you guys are much further along in that lifespan into that maturity uh, only because you've been doing it a lot longer. But yeah. I, I'd love to share this story to give people like her hope. You know, I know a guy who makes cheesecakes out of his, out of his house and he's selling 60 to $80 cheesecakes, but the product is absolutely yeah. mind blowing Yeah, um, and making those connections. So, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, to talk about some of the people you mentioned before, having that ability to network and make those connections. And I think that's one of the most important parts for any entrepreneur is to have that open mind to create relationships. I think that's the most valuable asset almost any small business can have. And again, you know, your network will determine your net worth. If, if people are willing to be those raving fans, as, as we mentioned before. So what's the future? You know, we're, we're up against the hours. Okay. So let's start to wind down. What's the future of Murphs? What can we do to be of help to you? And how can people find out more about you? Well, we have a website. Um, for We're in just, okay, for your Long Island or let's call tri-state listeners, sure. we're in every Stop and Shop, every Wegmans, every Target in the Northeast. We're in a ton of, ton of Uncle Giuseppe's. We're in every one of their stores. We're in Ivorone Brothers. We're in North Shore Farms. We're in meat farms, uh, lots of delis, lots of independents. Um, so if you don't see it in the place that you shop, ask them for it. Yes, and they'll be pretty familiar with the brand here yep. on Long Island. That's for and sure. And New Jersey and, and even Connecticut now. Um, down in Florida, if, uh, every ABC Wine and Spirit, which is about 140, oh, which about 140 of them. Um, uh, how, how, you know, just, just this is helpful to, to have the ability to tell my story, to share it with the audience. And to share my passion, because it is a passion. And it, de it definitely shows, and I greatly appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, where, you know, what, what you, know, you kind of alluded to before with the, the book, the Behemoth book, you know, build it so big so you yep. can sell it. That's kind of the exit plan in Murph's. We're not there yet. Right. Uh, I wouldn't even say we're halfway there. But but to, if a Costco leaned in, and we did a road trip at Costco, by the way, if they leaned in and said, you know, uh, we're ready to take this on in, in one of our regions, you know, that's a game changer. We're talking to Target right now because our numbers, and I'm just not being bra braggadocious, no, no. our numbers are 
really, really good. Listen, these success, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I try to tell people all the time, please, you're, you're yeah. here to brag. We yeah. want to talk about your successes because I want people, I want people who are sitting back there saying, I'm never going to be able to get yeah. there to hear your story to yeah. say, son of a bitch, I'm sitting down in the store with Target, one of the biggest national brands there and, is. And all started, think about it, an, an hour ago, one bottle, one shelf, one shelf, yep. one supermarket. Yep. And now I'm talking Target. Yeah. So now, of course, mm-hmm. and we were human beings, I want more, I want more, I want to build, I want to build. We're trying to convince Target's buyer to take it out of the Northeast, meaning leave it in the Northeast, the three stores, and give me the Southeast. Expand. And, and give me the Midwest. Because we, we, you know, they're Bloody Mary drinkers too, and we yep. know we can perform. We perform everywhere. And that's, in the winding down, that's where, now I'm in the Southeast, a Publix now says, well, you're in Target in my backyard. Right. Maybe you need to be on my shelf too. Yep. We're at Kroger, which is the biggest, um, Banner or supermarket in the country, twenty over twenty four hundred stores. Yeah. Now I'm in the Midwest where Kroger's out of, and and the and they say, I see your numbers in Target in the Midwest. Maybe it's about time you're in Kroger. It's part so, of the reason why you see four gas stations on every corner that you see one, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's sort of uh, I'm still pushing that rock uphill. I love it. And I'm looking for sooner or later it's going to start rolling downhill, and, and it's just it's 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 a matter of a, and I'm I'm just you know the targets the BJ's the the Costco's, the Kroger's, someone, and one thing I learned about, and I know we're in winding down. No, t- listen, is, I'll go as long as you want. Yeah, I'm okay with is that. Is a is a big banner supermarket brand. They don't want to. They they don't want to uh, be a pioneer of your product. Right. They, they want they want to be like, all right, listen, you're in Target. Proof. Proof. You can be on my shelf. They're yep. they're not looking to you know give every time they can Harry a shot. Yep. You know, and that's and that's. One of the stark realities where, you know, when I talk about, oh, I'll just talk to the Target buyer or I'll talk to the Kroger buyer. He'll like me. It, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. All right, so I, I'm, I'm going to ask for permission to stretch just a little bit because okay. you mentioned something. So you, you've got your website. What's your website? Oh, uh, yeah. We, we need people to um, yeah. murphsfamous.com, M-U-R-P-H-S, famous.com. And we're on Amazon. All okay. you gotta do is go to you know bloody Murphs. Go to search yep. search engine. Uh, you can get to Amazon through my website, okay. murphsfamous.com. But if you just want to go on Amazon and type in Murphs Famous Bloody Mary mix, I know I wasn't allowed to do this. Uh, we'll, we'll both snap. All right, Corey, that's for it you. It was the rules. You're not allowed to snap <laughs> on the show. Um, you, uh, uh, Murphs will come right up, and um, we, you know, we did brand ex- expansions. We now have, and in the party box, as you can see. Is the Merce Bloody Mary mix? Um, We're gonna move this right to the table for yeah. those of you who are watching us online. I thought he'd never move it over here. Oh no, it was <laughs> it was coming out. We're taking pictures with this and everything. So um, this is the party in the box, and um, it's the Merce. Uh, I only had hot and spicy on me, so you got two hot and spicies. I love it. But nor- in a normal traditional party in a box, would be hot and spicy, and the Merce original. And in the middle is our pep- Merce pepperoncinis. And in the spirit of thinking outside the box, we we wanted to expand the brand, something that people, an aha moment, people go, oh, wow, maybe I'll put the pepperoncini yep. in, you know, as a garnish. Yep. And, of course, other uses of pepperoncini. Um, we didn't want to be like uh, the Murph olives or the Murph, right. you know, the Murph uh, pickled green beans. We wanted to do something different and something unique. And that's it. So we did that. Um, one challenge is, because this is a liter bottle and it's hard to ship, you know, and it's expensive because it's heavy. Yeah. Is we kind of we came out just recently with a Murph Instant, which is a, a spice rub, but it's also you know ice vodka, tomato juice, h- uh, half a cap of uh, that, and mixed it up. You have an instant Bloody Mary. 
instant murphs so that's in there but it's also I as, love you, it. as you can see in the side of the label again other uses because i don't never want to bottleneck myself yep, works great for yeah it works great for um you know uh rim in a glass rim. dry rubs bloody mary enhancing yeah spicing up meat poultry seafood or veggies this is Listen, this is a miracle in a bottle, people, and I will uh, I will gladly share with anybody who's interested in coming down and joining us. But cool. So I just want to show you consumers the yeah, other, there's the cooking aspect of it. That's it. Yeah. Pizza sauce, hot yep. wings. Yep. I mean, it's just. It, it, and again, it, that acts as a trigger. Yeah. And here's some of the personality, the party with yep. the Murph. There he is. On um, there's a little Murph guy holding, holding the glass. Do you, do you guys do a lot of marketing? online or or in any other way because i see you got you yeah. got murph's famous on you're on instagram you're on facebook you got your website which is good are you actively involved in that do you do a lot do you do a lot with it i would say uh, I, we have done a lot okay and as a small company it's challenging yes. because the and you do you were talking about social media before um uh, one of my partners is uh, an attorney and he um and he's attorney for a uh, a hedge fund or a venture capitalist that owns about fifteen or sixteen food and beverage companies. Okay, some of the m biggest household names either are up and coming or you already know. Right. He says, and he's a very bright guy. And he's and this is he sits in rooms of the smartest people in the food biz in the world. And he says, Murph, I sit around tables of guys still scratching their head, marketing guys in the food and beverage, and say, we can't quantify our social media budget to what it really gives us in return. Right. It's unquantifiable. Yeah. You, but we know we have to do it. Yes. And it, it, <laughs> yeah. the reason why, yes, because it's, yeah. it's a world that I've gotten heavily involved in and my time in the hospitality industry really triggered it. And I, because, you know, you learn about the power of an influencer and leveraging your yeah. accounts. And people say all the time, what's the return on investment on social media? And the, 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 the actual dollar number is zero. Uh, but it, but it becomes a, yeah. it, it be, in my opinion, it becomes one of the greatest brand awareness tools you can create, and it creates community. And I think community is what, you know, there is a loyal following, and it's why I wanted to have you here. I wanted to meet you face to face. Yeah, yeah. There is there is a loyal Murph supporter following out there. You know, people people have become brand ambassadors for you without you asking or paying them to do it. They literally had gone out, and I think it's. Uh, 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 Blanchard or somebody I else. I think like, I could put you in that category. And, and listen, and and I and I love. It's part of the reason why I do this. I I love to expose great people for what they are and what they do, and if they're business people as well, that make, brings me pure joy. Um, but yeah, one hundred percent. So I'll, I'll put it out there to anybody. You ever cool. want to come have a Bloody Murphy? Bloody Murphy. Say, look, mm -hmm. we're changing the name of the product yeah. already. You want to have a Bloody Mary or some version of it? Hit me up. We'll we'll find a time to yeah. do it. And um, we could do a party or something. Yeah. And I always want to make, it's serious, it's a business. I'm trying to grow this and eventually make money out of it one day. But I always want it to be fun and have yes. that connection with the consumer. Like even the handle, just have like it kind of, yep. just handle, no, the, it's, it's, handle it is, the Murph with carrots. It is it is so, well branded, well packaged, yep. and it's, it's well thought out. Murph, and, is there anything, uh, well, here, I'm going to put the ask out for you. If there's anybody out there who's listening who happens to know somebody at Target, at Costco, at uh, Buyers, Walmart, distributors, anybody. Find me, find Murph, help this guy out because I, I don't say it because he needs the help, but this is a guy who can help other people grow their businesses. And, and you know, the big companies who want to make money, they're, they're building loyalty and doing and doing great things. And I know you're far from done with your journey here, and I look forward to 
anytime possible being an asset to, to you cool. guys. Cool. Let me know. And and we would love to do more with you and, and help promote you for not only the great product that you put out, the great business that you've built, but what I've learned to become a very a very genuine, unique individual, which I truly appreciate on Thanks, a personal Dean. level. It was, it was great. Murph, great. thank you so much for coming in. Ladies and gentlemen, again, Murph's, Murph's famous. Check them out online. Follow us. We're going to put up a bunch of content sharing some of the things that they do. Maybe we could dig, dig a little bit deeper and get out to Farmingdale with you one day and, yeah, and shoot cool. a few things. That'd be cool. So, as always, ladies and gentlemen, I greatly appreciate your time, your patience, your attention. We are an hour and eight minutes in. And for those of you who made it this far, I am eternally grateful for the fact that you've been kind enough to give me that time. So remember, look at guys like this. Look at things that people are doing. Remember, opportunity always knocks for the people who are willing to put their head down, get dirty, work hard, and always have a good time while they're doing it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a fantastic day.